right, you may be seated. And you can go ahead and open up your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 today as the first among many scriptures we're going to look at on the subject of identity. Identity. And a, a definition just to start us off this morning for identity is this, uh, characteristics determining who a person is. Simple definition, characteristics determining who a person is. And what we're going to do is we're going to back up this morning and we're going to look at the, the, the vast mural of God's Word that's, that's maybe pictured as a painting the size of this wall over here. And we're going we're gonna to stand back and we're going to see certain themes and certain threads to do with our identity in Jesus Christ that run throughout the Scriptures. And, and we're not going to get too close this morning. Here's what I mean by that. We're, we're, we're going to be jumping from a few different passages here and there because the goal is to see overall in general what does God's Word have to say about identity? We hear a lot about identity, don't we? We hear about identity theft, where one individual takes on the, the most intimate and personal characteristics of someone else that doesn't belong to them in order to usually gain financially. We, we hear of secret identities. It, it seems like the, the plot line in every second book and, and movie out there is, is about some guy, some, some guy who has an alter ego, uh, we hear about mistaken identity. Maybe you've been part of, of that exchange where you meet somebody and you, you thought, based on some of similar characteristics with somebody else that you're thinking of, and, and you thought that that was them, and then th- you maybe through the conversation, hopefully not too awkwardly, you, just, you, you figure out, oh, oh, this is a case of mistaken identity. And sometimes, sometimes we mistake our own identity, don't we? Sometimes... We think about our own lives, our own hearts, and, and we see things for what they really aren't. Or, or we just have this idea of, of who we are that's not quite true. And, and we call that an identity crisis. Right? I think you would all agree with me that it is critical as we think about identity that we can answer this question with specificity and clarity. Who am I? Who am I? Tell me about yourself. How would, how would you begin to answer that question? We were at a family reunion yesterday, and I was standing uh, with my uncle. It's his house, and my niece, Tia, arrives, and she opens the door, and, and I said, Tia, and, and our uncle says, Tia, hi, Tia, and, and she says, I'm three and a half. <laughs> and so we know what's on her heart, right, in terms of her own identity these days. What is it for you? Is it your age? Is it your name? Is it the family that you belong to? Is it the country that you're from? Is it the money that you have or don't have? Is it your job? Is it your level of education? Maybe it's your interest or your skills or your likes or dislikes. Maybe, it's, maybe your identity is found in, in your trials and the circumstances that you're going through in this life. And what I want to submit before you this morning is that these types of characteristics are certainly each a part of who we are, yet they are very much secondary to what is most important about us. The ultimate determining marks of our identity are found somewhere else. Uh, The Apostle Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, is talking to them in the first few uh, chapters. Along these lines of, of identity, he's addressing some problems in their, in their church, in, in the way that they're thinking. See, they were boasting in the, which one of the church leaders they were identifying with. And some were saying, I'm of Paul. And others were saying, I'm, I'm of Apollos. And others were saying, I'm of, of Peter. And Paul has to come in and correct their thinking and say, say what are you doing? This is, this is not right. This is prideful boasting in something that you shouldn't even find pride in, a, a mere man. He says, let me tell you, just by way of illustration from my own life, I, I don't find my identity this way. I, I don't find my identity in what other people are thinking and saying about me. He says, I don't even find my identity in what I think about myself. Paul says, I find my identity in what the Lord thinks of me. And that's where we need to find our identity as well. The Bible tells us about God. 
The Bible tells us about the Bible. And surely the Bible tells us about us. So we're going to take a, a systematic approach, what we would call in theology a systematic approach, which, which says, tell me, Bible, tell me what do you have to say on the whole about my identity. And we're going to grab from several scriptures this morning to fill in that picture. Who am I? That is the question before us. And, and here, I, just, I wrote this down. I want you to, to just have before you as we go this morning why it's important that we answer this question. Why, why is it important that we have a firm grip on our identity in Jesus Christ? And it, it's for this reason, because it's essential to make those strides that we want to make in living the life that God intends for us to live. Let me say that again. Having a firm grip on our identity in Christ is essential to making those strides we want to make in living the life that God intends for us to live. So what does God say about my identity? First, this, I am established as a new person. I'm established as a new person. And we're looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Let's begin reading in verse 14. Paul says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. If my identity is found in Jesus Christ, then I am no longer the person that I once was. My old self, the Scriptures say, was crucified with Him. The the day that I placed my faith in Jesus Christ, if if that was a Wednesday, then who I was on Tuesday, that person is gone now. And, And everyone from every day before that. God makes us, in Christ, a brand new person. Colossians chapter 3, Paul tells us, you have died. You have died. Can you say that this morning? As you look at your own life, as you consider your identity, do you see your old self as someone who is dead and and do you see your new self as someone who is alive in Christ, different in every, (laughs) so many ways than before? I mean, we still have the same body, right? Some of us, we still have the same things that we like, same kind of hobbies. But at our core, we're a brand new, completely different person. The Scriptures in this regard say these other things. They give, they give these other labels or titles for Christians. I am born again. I am raised with Christ. I am alive together with Him. I am set free from the bondage of sin. I was once dead, I am now alive. I was once blind, I now see. I was once in the darkness, and now I am light. See the contrast between the two. It's so important that we understand and we're we're grounded in the reality that if we're in Christ, we are a brand new person. Uh, Some of us, this contrast is seen more starkly than in others. I think some of you who have placed your faith in Christ at a very young age and have been walking with Him. And, and many of you have said to me, I don't remember a time when I didn't believe what I was learning about Jesus Christ. And that's fantastic. That's what, I'm, that's what we're praying for for our children. It's important though, if, if that's you, that you still have a theological understanding that at one time you were on the broad path that leads to destruction. And God still had to take you and transfer you onto the narrow path that leads to life. And had He not done that, and had you not believed the things you believed about Jesus Christ, you would still be on that broad path. You would still be that old person. So you can still um, think about the fact, meditate on the reality that you are a different person than you were when you came into this world. The world says that there's nothing really that wrong, 
that needs to be fixed. There's, there's nothing going on in, in my life that needs such a drastic degree of change. I mean, what you're talking about, born a second time, made brand new, I mean, isn't that a little extreme? God says you need to be a brand new person. And when I bring you to myself, that's what I do to you. He's established us, if we're in Christ, as a new person. If you were to come to my house and walk up my driveway towards our front door, there's these um, wooden railings, you know, the kind with the, the spindles and, and the railing that, that goes up to the house. And they're, they're the original ones that were there when the house was built. And, and frankly, they're just getting old and beat up and worn down. And I've had to nail some of the spindles back in. And, and I've had to um, even just kick some of the broken pieces off. And, and it's just... It doesn't look that great. So here's what I'm going to do later on this summer. I've got a, a, a project plan. I'm going to go to the hardware store, and I'm going to get a can of outdoor white paint, and I'm going to sand it down a bit when I get home, and I'm going to make sure that the nails are in and, and, and everything is, is as best as I can get it, and then I'm going to repaint it. I'm going to slather it on there because I don't want to have to do this again next year, right? Some of you are thinking, Preacher, what are you talking about? Listen, that is entirely different from what God does with us. God doesn't just fix us up a little bit. When we come to Christ, He doesn't just just clean us up and and put on, you know, a little uh, extra paint here and there to touch us up. God tears the whole railing down and puts a brand new one up in its place. We need to remember that when we think of our identity, that we have been established by God as a new person and if we're a new person then a whole lot about us is also going to be new right and that's what we're going to look at in the rest of our time together this morning second truth i want you to see this morning the second determining characteristic about our identity if we're in christ is that i am joined to a new family i'm joined to a new family and we're going to look here at ephesians chapter 2 So just turn a few books ahead to Ephesians chapter 2 where Paul is is talking about Jews and non-Jews, so everybody in the whole world. And and he's saying, um, He came and He preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through Him we both have access in one Spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers, and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. And here it is, members of the household of God. See, if I'm a new person, then that means also that I am part of a new family. I'm a member joined into God's family. One way that the Scriptures speak of this is is the church being the bride of Christ. The Scriptures say that that believers in Jesus Christ are are His bride, joined with Him in intimate union, loved by Him, nourished and cherished by Him. And we will one day meet Him in His heavenly glory and have, have a wedding supper, a marriage supper with the Lamb. The other prominent way that our identity in God's family is seen throughout Scripture is, is in the language of sonship. In Ephesians chapter 1, we read that I am adopted in Christ. If I am a new person, I am adopted in Christ. And so we, we need to think here from the, from the lesser to the greater. Uh, the lesser being, uh, we know something of adoption in this world, don't we? We, we know what it means for parents to take a child, to choose a child, to rescue a child, and to say, you're coming home with me. You weren't mine before, but you're mine now. I'm going to love you as though you've been with me from the beginning. God does this for us, and He adopts us into His family. He makes us His very own. Scripture says, I am God's elect, God's chosen one, Jesus Christ says, I am a brother of His. We, we know, if, if we've been in the Scriptures, that 
We are identified as brothers and sisters of one another in the church. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1, we're going to put that up on the screen. The Apostle John writes this, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. Like, what love? What love God has shown us to, to rescue us from the filthy, dirty pit of sin, to, to pull us out, to make us brand new, and to sit with Him at His table with princes, to exalt us, to give us His precious promises. In Isaiah chapter 48, the, the prophet is, is writing down for God these words. When, when God says, look at these idols you're worshiping. Look at these low, small, small g gods that you're worshiping that aren't even gods. And, and he says, don't you know that I will not share my glory with another? God says, I will not share my glory with another. And then Jesus Christ comes to earth and says, I will share my glory with you, family. What love. What amazing love that He has bestowed upon us to bring us into His family. We, um, we could say a whole lot about how this truth, the fact that we've been joined to a, a family with God as our Father. Uh, but I'm, I just, I'm going to say just this one thing. What, what comfort this brings us. What comfort it is to know that we're part of God's family. This, this changes uh, the way that we deal with our disappointments in life, right? This changes the way that, that we are um, dealing with the loneliness that we often feel in this life. This changes the way that we pray, right? The access we have to the Father. I just think of how much I love my children, and, and then I compare that to the incomparable love that God has for me. And, and I think how uh, open I am to, to my children coming to me, and, and we think of how open God is for us to come to Him as our Heavenly Father. This, this changes our lives to the uttermost. Some may have said to you what I've heard say to me, well, aren't Aren't we all children of God? I mean, you, you say that, that God made all of us. You, you say we're all created by God. Are we not all His children? And uh, the sad reality is that the answer to that question is no. No, we're, we, meaning mankind, are not universally considered by God His beloved children. Scriptures say that apart from Jesus Christ, I am alienated from God. Apart from Jesus Christ, I am a child of wrath, even, even a child of the devil. We need to be made into a new person. We need to be joined to a new family. In order to be considered a son or daughter of God, in order to be a new person who's been born again, whose old life is dead and who has a new life, we need, listen, we need a new position. So that's the third characteristic that determines our identity. I am secured in a new position. I'm secured in a new position. And we're going to look at Colossians 1, verses 13 and 14. Just to highlight this truth before we um, consider maybe some other terms that talk about our new position in Scripture. Colossians 1.13, the Apostle Paul says, He, that's God, has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. See, really, there's only two types of people. There's really only, in God's eyes, on a, on a grand scheme of things, two types of identities in this world. There are those who belong to Jesus Christ, who have a new position, and there are those who have not placed their faith in Jesus Christ. There's the Christian, and then there's 
non-Christians. There's those who are at peace with God and those who are not at peace with God. There are those who are free from the penalty of sin and those who are still in bondage to the penalty of sin. And the, the old man, the natural man with, with the old identity says, well, I'm not that much of a sinner. I certainly don't deserve an eternal penalty. I, I don't know if I believe what you're saying about this, this new position that I need to have before God. Well, I need to tell you this morning that the Scripture dis- defines your identity with certain characteristics as well. Things like guilty, condemned, accursed, lost. See, see you have sinned against holy God and, and you have not given Him the glory, the worship that He is due. And so you have no position in Christ. Maybe you are saying, well, okay, I, I agree with you. Um, I am quite the sinner. I, I have offended God. Actually, I have offended Him too much, so there's no way I could possibly be part of His family. And I just want to tell you that that's not true. God will make a child out of anyone who comes to Him. Maybe you think, well, yeah, I've offended God. I have sin in my life. I can't deny that. But you know what? I'll take care of it. I'll handle it. I will put on righteousness of my own. I will clean myself up. I will become a new person. And I'll take care of it so that I can stand before God one day and everything will be all right. It won't be all right. We need a new position, a new status before God. And that's why Paul four times in the verse that we just, we just looked talks about who we are. He says, I am delivered. I am transferred. I am redeemed. I am forgiven. Do you talk about yourself in those terms? Do you think of yourself in those terms? Who, who are you? Who are you? I am one who is forgiven ransomed the scriptures say first peter you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers not with perishable things such as silver or gold but with the precious blood of christ like that of a lamb without blemish or spot see there was a great cost that needed to be paid in order to take us from the kingdom of darkness and transfer us into the kingdom of light, to give us new life, to make us a new person, to put us in a new family. And that cost was the life of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. He had to come to deal with sin for all those who would place their faith in Him. He had to come and hang on that cross. He had to die and be raised again that we might have the hope of life eternal. This is what the Scriptures talk about when we can say, I am justified. I'm declared to be without guilt. I'm declared righteous by God. I am washed clean from the penalty of sin. I am reconciled to God. I am saved. I am saved, Ephesians 2 says, and we'll get there a little bit later. I am saved. If if we are saved, that must mean we were in need of rescuing. It must mean that as we look back at our old self, we can see that that Old Brian was someone who needed to be saved. I remember, I remembered this week as, as I was preparing for this message, a conversation I had with some friends of mine after I was saved. Uh, years back, I was sitting in their uh, basement apartment and sharing with them. Uh, I don't remember how, you know, the kind of, of way that I was sharing with them what had happened to me, but um, the, the gal, she said, um, well, I, uh, I've made a lot of changes in my life and I'm not the same person that I used to be. Um, I, I don't really do a lot of the same things I used to do. I don't go to the same places I used to go. Um, I feel a lot different than I used to feel. Have, have, and she asked me, she said, have I been born again too? And I had to tell her, listen, being born again isn't founded on you making a whole bunch of changes in your life. 
you know, we can all clean ourselves up to a degree, right? We, we can all make some decisions and some choices, but we cannot take care of the debt that is owed to God for the sins that we've committed. He has to do that. Did you notice the passive nature of all of, all of these descriptions of who we are? Delivered, transferred, redeemed, forgiven, ransomed. God had to do this. God, God had to give us a new status that accounted for the fact that we owed a great penalty that we could never pay for our sins. And that is why I've got one more term here under this heading that I think goes well with what we're looking at here, and that's this. If I am a new person in Jesus Christ, if, if I have a new identity, then part of my new identity, a, a major part is this, I'm a believer I'm a believer. Because this message about Jesus Christ needs to be embraced by faith in order for it to take any root in our lives. So part of our identity is that we believe the message that the Bible tells us about Jesus Christ. We, by faith, trust that He is the only Savior. He is the only one who could secure us in a new position. This ought to well up within our hearts a great degree of thanksgiving. How how does being in a new position, how does being reckoned by God, guiltless, intersect with our lives day to day, here and now? And it's this, by being grateful for what He's done for us. Think of the song, Jesus, thank you. It says, your blood has washed away my sin. Jesus, thank you. The Father's wrath completely satisfied. Jesus, thank you. Once your enemy, now seated at your table, Jesus, thank you. If our new identity is found in Jesus Christ, then, then we ought to live our lives as thankful people. Alright, we need to continue on. The next characteristic determining who we are, if our identity is in Jesus Christ, can be stated like this, I am devoted to a new master. I'm devoted to a new master. 64 times in the Gospels, Jesus is involved in a conversation where either he or the person he's talking to uses the word master. Do you think this was a big part of Jesus' message? He's continually talking about masters, kings, the Lord, servants. This word servant used by the apostles and, and those who wrote the New Testament over and over again both to speak of themselves and to the Christians to whom they're writing. They use the word servant, servant, servant. Hardly we can turn a few pages without seeing that in our Bibles. We need to see ourselves as modeled by Paul. You know, I was telling you about him uh, addressing the Corinthians in that first letter, saying, listen, don't, don't think of yourselves based on what others are thinking. Don't, don't think based on what you think. Think of what the Lord thinks. You know what he goes on to say? He says, think of me like this. I'm a servant of Christ. That's how the Apostle Paul identified himself. A servant of Christ. Do you, you know, when you're asked, tell me a little bit about yourself, does the word servant come to mind? Romans 14, 8 and 9. Let's uh, look at that here. Paul says, if we live, for if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and of the living. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord now. He, he, he is Lord here. He is Lord then. He is Lord there. And we, we are his lowly servant And that's a good place to be, by the way. The Scriptures describe us in this way. It says, I am a servant. I am a servant of Jesus Christ. I am a servant of God. I am a slave. I am a slave of righteousness. I am a slave of God. I am a follower of Christ. I am one of His sheep and He's the shepherd. I'm one who belongs to Christ. I am a disciple. We, in our new identity, need to see ourselves in in order 
with Christ as, as those who are subject to him, our new master. This is perhaps a good time, too, to say that our master has given us a book. Our master has given us the words of life, the words of, of godliness. Jesus said in Luke chapter 8, my, mother's, sorry, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. So if we're describing our identity, we ought to say this as well. I am one who is under authority of God's word. Pastor Ian preached on that just a couple weeks ago. How does this intersect with our lives? How does the fact that we are servants and he is our master meet us on a day-to-day level? And, and again, there are a variety of ways that we could consider, but I just want to highlight two for you. First is this, surrender. Surrender. If we're going to live the life that God wants us to live here and now, based on who we are, who he's made us to be, then we need to surrender to him as Lord and Master. And the second thought would be this, trust. We need to trust him. If he's the master, then he is the good master. He is the wise master. He is the the Lord who knows what is best. And we need to come under his authority and trust him in all things in our lives. The world sees things differently. Those who are in the world say, no one's going to be master over me. And, and you, you're a fool if you believe this book. And I, and I just want to say this. I'm glad to be counted a fool for the sake of following my master, Jesus Christ. He alone is worthy to be served, and I do not want to be the master. I want to be considered among his servants, both now and forevermore. I think we're going to put Revelation chapter 22 up on the screen. This is the last page in our Bibles. And it says this, No longer will there be anything accursed. This is the new heavens and the new earth. This is eternity. But the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and His what? Servants will worship Him. His servants will worship Him. We will forever be servants of the King. Well, that's then, and we're going to come back to that in just a little bit, but what about now? What does this mean for uh, our day-to-day ambitions? And, and that's our next point. I am focused on a new ambition. I'm focused on a new ambition. Ephesians chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 8 through 10. The Apostle Paul says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Them being the good works. When our identity is found in Jesus Christ, we see clearly the biblical necessity of being intentional about what we are most determined to do with our lives on this earth. We see in Ephesians 2.10 that I am created for good works. And anytime we talk about good works, it's important that we remember good works doesn't come before and earn our righteous standing before God. It comes after as a result of our righteous standing before God. But it's crystal clear, you know, we, we, we want to put push away good works sometimes because we're, we're afraid of, of this righteous, um, self-righteous, er, works-based earning of our own salvation, but we need to remember that our new identity is rooted and grounded in spending our time doing good works for our Master. In Titus, Paul says, I am zealous for, ready for, and devoted to good works. I'm a vessel. If we're reading the Scriptures and, and we're we're taking in the identity of Christ, we will say this, I am a vessel for honorable use. I am an aroma of Christ. I am the light of the world. Maybe you say, wait a second, I thought Jesus was the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world, and Jesus told His disciples also, you are the light of the world. In the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. 
A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. See, the ambitions of this world are much different than the ambitions of the one who identifies himself with Jesus Christ. The ambitions of this world are, are for self, are for, for my glory. You know, the ambitions of this world are to spend my time doing the works that I want to do to please me. And yet God says, I want you to do good works for me so that others might see your good light of Christ works and they too might worship me. This has massive implications for how we spend our time, does it not? This, if, if we're focused on a new ambition, if that is part and parcel of what it means to be identified as, as a member of the family of God, being a new person who has a new status in Christ, then our time and the way we spend our days ought to look new as well. You say, well, this is a weighty task, like shining my light of good works before others, that they would see my life and give glory to God, that, that is a tall order. And so I've got one more angle here under this heading that shows us part of our identity in Christ that speaks to, to, to the difficulties that we have in doing good works for Him. But it also speaks not just to the difficulty, but to the source of good works. And that is what we read in John 15. I am a branch. I'm a branch. Do you think of yourself as a, a branch? Hey, hey, uh, nice to meet you. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Well, let me tell you about myself. I'm a branch. And Jesus is the vine. And my job in this life is to bear fruit for Him, but He's going to bear that fruit in and through me because He's the source of every good work. That's our identity. A branch. A hard-working branch for Jesus. And as we focus on Him, the one and only one who ever does what is perfectly good, He will produce fruit through us so that we can be and, and do what He's made us for. Focused on a new ambition. Alright, moving along. The next characteristic we see across the mosaic of Scripture that determines who we are in Christ is this, we are saturated by a new disposition. Saturated by a new disposition. Our inclinations, our, our, um, our very being, what, what we gravitate towards is changed to the uttermost. And for this, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. And leading up to this, Paul is, is talking about um, how we are to put off those determining characteristics of the old man and put on the new man, Jesus Christ. And he says in, in uh, verse 23, be renewed in the spirit of your minds. That, that's thinking biblically. That's, that's our series, right? Thinking biblically. Be, be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. When God makes us like Himself, sorry, well, there you go. When God makes us new, He makes us like Himself. When God makes us a new person, He makes us like Him. And, and God is completely holy. God is utterly righteous. There is no darkness in God. Everything God does and thinks is right. He is completely separate from anything other. And, and God conforms us to His image. And He gives us a new disposition. He gives us the inclination as a follower of Christ to be someone who is thoroughly pure. My, in my new identity in Christ, I am someone who loves what God loves and hates what God hates. This affects our daily desires. This intersects with every moment of our lives because if we're new in Christ and we have a new disposition toward holiness, then our desires must be changed. And the Scriptures 
speak to this in several ways. If, if we were, again, running a list of, of things that the Scriptures, truths that the Scriptures emphasize for us so that we can know what our identity in Christ is in this regard, we could say this, I am created after the likeness of God. That's what we just read. I am a saint. I am a saint. I am self-controlled, upright, and godly. I am sanctified. I am led by the Spirit. I am dead to sin. I am an obedient child. First Peter has obedient children, Peter says. Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, the old man, the old identity. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all of your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And, and, and the old man whose position is not found in Christ, whose identity is somewhere else in this world, has an utterly different disposition than that of the new, new creature who's found in Christ. The, the old man says, well, if it feels right, just do it. If it makes me happy, do it. If, if it's something that will gratify my own selfish desires, and, and people generally don't speak like that, but, but that's what's going on, then that's going to be what I'm predisposed to. That's what I'm going to be inclined to, and yet the one who finds their identity in Christ is inclined to righteousness, holiness, and purity. And what we find when, when we become this new man is that our old desires that we were so reluctant to give up for the sake of holiness because we thought that holiness was something down here, right? Settling for something less, we find it's far, far more. And in our past life, we, we, were, we were chasing after things that were far less than the holiness that God has for us. Something much more satisfying. Well, we need to continue on and continue to see um, this broad picture. We, I know we're going kind of fly, fly by here, but, but we just want to get a big picture of who we are in Christ today. And I, I trust that the, each of these points, maybe um, for, for each of you, are, are intersecting and, and speaking to your heart in ways that, that you will go and, and seek the Lord later on and seek the, the Word of God and, and, and see a new aspect of your identity that maybe you hadn't meditated on before. But we're going to continue on here to, to the next one on, uh, on my list that, that is uh, highlighted in Scripture and that's this characteristic of my identity in Christ. I am anchored in a new longing. I'm anchored in a new longing. Colossians chapter 3, we referenced this just uh, briefly a little while ago. The Apostle Paul says, if, if then you have been raised with Christ, right? if you're a new person, if your old self is dead and, you, and you're alive to Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Before I was raised with Christ, my longings were for the things of this world. My longings were for that boat and that golf membership and that uh, really, really short work week and, and all of that relaxing and entertainment and comfort. Those were the longings of, of my unredeemed man. But now in Christ, I'm anchored in a new longing. Longing for His kingdom. Longing to be with Jesus where He is. Is that the longing of your heart this morning? The Scriptures say that if we are found in Jesus Christ, if our identity is in Jesus Christ, then I am an heir of the kingdom. An heir of the kingdom. He has on reserve for me an inheritance that is so glorious beyond anything I could ever imagine in this life. The Scriptures say that I am one who endures to the end. The Scriptures say that I am a citizen of heaven. Philippians 3, but our citizenship is in heaven. 
And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body to be like His glorious body. See, He's already transformed us if we're in Christ, but that transformation is not yet finished. There's coming a day when we will meet with Jesus face to face and He will consummate what He started in us. And, and we will be in His presence, satisfied longing, made to be like Him. The scriptures say, I am abounding in hope. How does our longing for the kingdom of heaven intersect with our lives here today? It's in this word here, hope. Hope. We are hopeless apart from Christ and we feel that in so many ways. We, we are so disappointed by much in life and yet when we have hope in the coming kingdom of God, we can have joy, we can wait another day, we can hold on for Him as, as we're anchored and grounded and rooted in the rock that never moves. I am, the Scriptures say, a child of promise. And God always, always, always keeps His promises. I am a stranger and exile on earth. We read earlier that the twin truth of that, right? Where Paul says, you are no longer strangers and exiles. No longer are you strangers and aliens. And then here from Hebrews, it says, I am a stranger and exile. What's going on there? Well, well in, in our old identity... We're a stranger and in exile to the kingdom of God. And in our new identity, we are a stranger and in exile to this world. God often says, don't compare. Don't compare yourself with with him or her. Don't compare your trials with with his or her trials. But there's an area of of our lives and in, in our theological thinking that God says, definitely compare. He says, compare this life with the life that is to come. Compare heavenly glory and set your hopes on the fact that, that this life is but a breath and that there is an eternal, glorious, splendorous kingdom waiting for you. And compare, compare that in your minds often and be encouraged. We don't always live out our new identity the way we would like to, Right? I'm not always anchored in this new longing. I'm not always living and acting as though I'm established in, uh, as, as a new person. I don't always live as though I am joined to God's family. I, I, I don't always think about my security in my new position. I, I, I'm not always as devoted as I'd like to be to my new master. I'm not always as focused on my new ambition as I want to be. I'm not always saturated by this new disposition toward holiness. And maybe you understand what I'm talking about. And I just want to encourage us this morning the way a brother encouraged me as, as we were talking through this message and as we were talking about our identity found in Jesus Christ and, and he says to me, how do, we, how do we remember? How do we live in this identity? How, how do we... Um, change our minds how are we renewed in our thinking about who we are in jesus christ and he he says to me it's by going back again and again to this book like god does something and and you know this supernaturally that we can't explain just just through ink and paper as we allow our eyes to be fixed on god's word we're washed right we're, we're like a tree that puts its roots right in the stream and is continually fed we, we come to this book to be reminded often of our identity in Christ because we're so prone, so prone to forget. So I just invite you today, come, come back to the banquet. Often God has set the table. He has made it, He has pulled it apart, made it bigger. You know, He's put that, uh, what do you call that, that middle leaf in and, and He's put all the food out and He says, come and eat. Come and, and be satisfied in My Word. Come and be reminded of who I have made you in Christ. Well, there's one more. One more place I want to go to highlight what the Scriptures say about the determining characteristics that make us who we are if we're in Christ Jesus. We want to say with the Scriptures this, I am gripped by a new purpose. I'm gripped by a new purpose. Those who are outside of Christ don't agree on what 
the purpose of this life is. Right? Many of you were here just a few weeks ago and we showed some videos of, of Miles going and talking to folks in the community and asking them, you know, what is purpose in life? Why, why are you here? What is, where do you find your value and your meaning? And we saw a vast array of different answers. And many of us would have answered that question before we came to Christ in, in many different ways. And yet the Scriptures are clear. The purpose for, for our existence, the, the, listen, the very purpose of why God has made us a new person is all to the end that we would know Him, that we would worship Him. Look with me. You might see that already on the screen. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. The last thing in Scripture that Peter ever wrote is this, but now, sorry, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. You can say it with me. Amen. Amen. God changing who we are is a means to an end. The end being the purpose of us giving glory to Him in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ. If we look through the Scriptures in this regard, we, we can say, I am someone who knows Jesus Christ. I, I am someone who loves Jesus Christ. I am someone who worships Jesus Christ. And it's my purpose to know Him, to love Him, and to worship Him in greater and deeper ways. That's the end goal of my new identity. I love the way John Piper says it. He says, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in Him. That is what God is after. He's after our satisfaction. He wants us to find it in knowing His Son, Jesus Christ. Well, we've said a lot about our identity this morning. I trust that the Lord will work in each one of your hearts to maybe tug and, and pull and show you where maybe you can set your, your thoughts and be renewed in the way that you think about who you are in Christ Jesus. If you're not in Christ Jesus, if your identity is something other than a follower of Christ Jesus, that can change today. You can be transformed today. You can be made new today by trusting in, in His sacrifice and His death on the cross to pay the penalty for your sins and mine. You can believe that He was raised again and that you, can, you also can be raised again today to newness of life. Don't leave this place without considering 